you notice the title of the message today is Verses to Live By. What I've begun to do for confirmation services over the years is to take the verses that the students have chosen and use those as the text for the message. And that's what I'd like to do today as well, is to take each of those verses. And I'm only going to preach 10 minutes on each one, so be ready for an hour. No, we're going to cruise through pretty quickly along those lines um, because we have the confirmation vow part of the service coming up as well. But I like to start out with the story about squirrels. I don't know if you've ever heard the story about the Lutheran squirrels. And I usually give this to the confirmation students and their parents right away every year with regards to the thing. It was a mild winter in the small town that shall remain unnamed. And it became infected with squirrels in the spring. And the local churches had the best trees. So that's where the squirrels would often congregate, pun intended, near them. And this is what each church decided to do with the pesky squirrels. The Presbyterian church in town called a meeting to decide what to do about the squirrel infestation. And after much prayer and consideration, they concluded that the squirrels were predestined to be there. And they shouldn't interfere with God's divine will. The Baptist church, the squirrels had taken a special interest in the baptistry. And the deacons met and decided to put a water slide on the baptistry and let the squirrels drown themselves. The squirrels liked the slide and unfortunately knew instinctively how to swim, so twice as many squirrels showed up the following week. The Catholic Church decided that they were not in a position to harm any of God's creatures. So they humanely trapped their squirrels and set them free near the Baptist Church. Two weeks later, the squirrels were back when the Baptist took down the water slide. But the Lutheran Church came up with a very creative way, strategy. They baptized all the squirrels, made them members of the church, and now they only see them at Christmas and Easter. <laughs> we laugh at that, but it's almost true many times. <laughs> I, I use the phrase a lot, confirmation is not graduation from church. And I like the thought and to keep putting before you that every Sunday is really confirmation Sunday. We confirm our faith. <laughs> Do you remember your confirmation day, those of you who have been confirmed? I remember mine. I remember all the people there. I remember the specialness of receiving the Lord's Supper for the first time. I remember the party afterwards, all the cousins, the godparents, all the things that way. I thought I was rich. <laughs> I got cards and all the different things. I had $70. I thought I was the richest man in the world. <laughs> As I think about that too, I want to ask you, do you have a favorite Bible verse for life? I would encourage you. There's probably verses that will pop up again and again as you go through life. And we could spend the rest of the morning here hearing your favorite verses. <laughs> but let's focus upon the verses that the young ladies chose here today. We live in a day of fear and anxiety. <laughs> And so I appreciate the verses you guys have chosen. The first one I'm going to use is Psalm 56.3. Gracie, you chose, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. We talked a lot about fear this year because when you go through the Ten Commandments, the meanings are always we should fear and love God. Now, there's two types of fear, isn't there? There's slavish fear which is a fear of being afraid of things and a fear of, of not being good enough and all the different things that play with it. 
But there's also childlike fear, which is a reverence for God. Knowing who He is and bowing before Him. Childlike fear is what leads to faith. What you guys are confirming today. God gives that gift of faith and baptism, but that gift will be lost, we say, unless the child's taught the Word of God, given a Christian example to follow. But that gift of faith is something to hang on to. To know that it's a gift and that God has given it to you and to trust in Him. But when we are afraid, that verse tells us where we can turn to. It tells us who is our solid foundation. There was a father and a son who were hiking along a steep mountain trail. And at the beginning of the climb, the way was very easy for them. And they were walking along through the rocks and the trees and they were talking with each other. And then the path became very steep for them. And hiking became difficult. And finally they reached a narrow passageway where one slip could cause them to go over the edge into a deep canyon. And the father turned to his son. He said, son, you better hold my hand. And looking up at his dad, the son replied, no, daddy, you hold my hand. You're bigger than I am. (laughs) That's what I want to remind you guys to do. Know that God is holding your hand. I was reminded again of that this week, that it's God who holds our hand. We get ourselves in the way. Let Him hold on to you. Let Him be Lord. I love that next set of verses, Mariah, that you chose, Luke 12, 24 through 26. It speaks to the anxiety we have, which we all exhibit at one time or another in our lives. But listen again to those wonderful words. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither a storehouse nor a barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you're not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? It's not such a bad thing to go out and look at the birds now and then, is it? (laughs) And to be reminded that God knows each sparrow that falls. In May of 1995, a man by the name of Randy Reed, he was 34 years old, he's a construction worker, he was working on top of, he was welding up on top of a near, nearly completed water tower outside Chicago. And according to the stories, he unhooked his safety gear to reach for some pipes and he slipped and he fell the 110 feet landing face down on a pile of dirt. He just missed the rocks and the construction stuff. A fellow worker calls 911. The paramedics come and they find Reed, Randy Reed. They find him conscious, moving, and complaining of a sore back. Apparently the fall didn't cost him his sense of humor either. As the paramedics paramedics carried him on a backboard to the ambulance, Reed had only one request. He said, don't drop me. Doctors later said that he came away from the accident with just a bruised lung. Sometimes we we resemble Randy Reed. God protects us from harm in a 110-foot fall, but we're still nervous about three-foot heights. (laughs) 
The God who saved us from hell and death can protect us from the smaller dangers that we face each week. As I said, it's not a bad idea to go out and look at the birds sometimes and put it all in perspective. We need not worry and be anxious or fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 Ruby, you chose this one. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of (laughs) self-discipline. A sound mind. God didn't give us that spirit of fear. Charles Swindoll writes one time, he says, I remember when I was taking care of a couple of our grandchildren. It was late in the evening, but since grandfathers usually let their children stay up longer, which they should, they were still awake. And he said, we were laughing and we were messing around, having a great time together, when suddenly we heard a knock at the door. Not the doorbell, but a mysterious knocking. And the knock came again And he said, I got up to go to the door, but my grandson followed right with me, but he hung on to my left leg. And he hid behind me as I opened the door to see who was there. And it was one of my son's friends who had dropped by unexpectedly. And after he left, I closed the door. My grandson was still holding on to my legs. And with a strong voice, he said, Bubba, we don't have anything to worry about. Everything's fine. You know why he was strong, Swindoll writes? Because he was hanging on to protection. As long as he was clinging to grandfather's legs, he didn't have anything to worry about. (laughs) Our power does not come in our title, in who we are, or in our own strength. But it comes in the one who holds on to you and the one you hold on to. Hold tight, you guys. That's where the power is. The one who breathed out the stars. (laughs) You've ever seen a power plant and you wonder where they get their energy from and they do the different things. It's a lot of times it can be coal. It can be all these different things. But that power plant crushes this coal into things. It superheats the powder that's there. It ignites the gasoline and it runs the huge furnaces that crank the the big turbines that are there. This is a, a model of one in, in Texas that they have there. The, the turbines revolve at 3,600 revolutions per minute. They're housed in these concrete staling casings, 100 feet long, 10 feet tall, 10 feet across, and they generate enough electricity for entire cities. A visitor to the plant once asked the chief engineer, where do you store the electricity? We don't store it, the engineer replied. We just make it. When a light switch is flipped on in Dallas, Texas, 100 miles west of that place, it literally places a demand on the system. It registers at the generating plant. It prompts a greater output. And that's the way God's grace and power is likewise. You can't store it. You can't try and get an amount of it. But God's grace is inexhaustible, you guys. It comes in the measure that's required at the moment you'll need it. Know that. That's where God's power is. Psalm 16.8, I have set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I will not 
be shaken. (laughs) Ella, this is the one you chose. When the world shakes you to its core, and it will, situations, people, unknowns, challenges, dealings of all kinds... (laughs) But having set the Lord always before you will help you to not be shaken. But instead you will know that you have a firm foundation in Jesus Christ. You remember the old Sunday school song? The B-I-B-L-E? Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. (laughs) The B-I-B-L-E. And that leads directly into the last two verses that we're going to note today. Anak, I'm going to take those two verses that you used. This first set has been about trust, hasn't it? To have that faith, to trust in God. Your verses are about trust too, but they're about hope. That sure hope that we have. Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. <laughs> There were two rooms. One room was full of brand new toys. The other one was full of hay and horse manure. Two children were taken into them. One was a pessimist and the other was an optimist. The pessimist looked at the first room and cried because all those wonderful toys would soon be broken. The optimist was in the other room shoveling. And he was, and, and that, that little kid was saying, I know there has to be a horse in here somewhere. <laughs> the hope we have in Christ isn't a hope so. It's not either way that way. It's not a hope so. I hope so. But it's a sure hope. It's a sure hope of eternal life. It's the hope that gives perspective to every situation you will face. And to know that that hope is based on Jesus Christ. And who he is. (laughs) Much of life seems rather tasteless at times. I think of the the cook on a popular at a Christian conference center. She was complimented on her homemade biscuits one time, and she told Dr. Harry Ironside, she said, "Just consider what goes into the making of these biscuits. The flour itself doesn't taste good." Neither does the baking powder, if you just had it by itself, or the shortening, or the other ingredients. When you mix them together and you put them in the oven, they come out just right. God is able to combine all the ingredients of our lives in such a way that a banquet results. Every moment that you will face. It's God's strength and with His help today that you'll be able to confirm your faith as we make these vows. Listen to the last verse. Well, actually, I'm going to expand it a bit and take the verses ahead of it, too. Isaiah chapter 40, and I'm going to go back to verse 28. Do you not know, have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, and he increases the power of the weak. And even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. 
Would you agree that these are wonderful verses to live by? Students have chosen today. God's word will sustain you. You will be able to make it in this life, not on your own strength, but on God's word. And remember that God's word never returns empty of effect. We learned it early on that God's word is God-breathed. And by the way, ladies, how much of it is God-breathed? All of it. All of it is given by Him. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Billy Sunday writes this, and I'll close with this before the confirmation service. Billy Sunday wrote this in his Bible. He said, 29 years ago, with the Holy Spirit as my guide, I entered at the portico of Genesis. I walked down the corridor of the Old Testament art galleries where the pictures of Noah, Abraham, Moses, Joseph, Isaac, Jacob, and Daniel hung on the wall. I passed into the music room of the Psalms where the Spirit sweeps the keyboard of nature until it seems that every reed and pipe in God's great organ responds to the harp of David, the sweet singer of Israel. I entered the chamber of Ecclesiastes where the voice of the preacher is heard and into the conservatory of Sharon and the lily of the valley where sweet spices filled and perfumed my life. I entered the business office of Proverbs and on into the observatory of the prophets where I saw telescopes of various sizes pointing to far off events, concentrating on the bright and morning star which was to rise above the moonlit hills of Judea for our salvation and redemption. I entered the audience room of the King of Kings, catching a vision written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Thence into the correspondence room with Paul, Peter, James, and John, writing their epistles. And I stepped into the throne room of Revelation, where tower, where tower the glittering peaks, where sits the King of Kings upon his throne of glory with the healing of nations in his hand. And I cried out, he writes, I'll hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Confirmation students and each of you here. A Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. You may use your Bible on your phone. I would encourage you to have a Bible full one too and make it fall apart. By reading it. And not only reading it, taking it to heart. See, the second phrase up there, I couldn't think of a better way to put it in this way, is may the Bible, may God's Word be the main part of your life. May Him, the message of Jesus, be there. Because if it isn't, you may fall apart. <laughs> but don't be anxious. Do not fear. And know that He's there for you.